0: So we're going to do something different today. Uh, recently, Charlie Singleton shared a talk at a recent Challenge Weekend that we did that had a very interesting perspective on it. And we, wanted, we were able to record it, so we want to present it to you today. It's about misfortune. Have you ever thought of a tragedy or misfortune you experienced could be actually transformed into a talent? A gifted experience that would make you uniquely qualified to bring God's presence to others? Well, Charlie Singleton did. At this recent weekend, Charlie shared a story about the talent God put into his pocket. It had a big impact on those in attendance and gave them a fresh perspective on facing challenging and even tragic experiences. Most of what we experience is a result of what happens to us and around us. Success and good times can help God's glory shine through an ordinary life, but they can also be dangerous. They can corrupt, inflate, or weaken rather than strengthen our character, make us proud, full of ourselves. It's really tragedy and misfortune that produce true character and depth. Tragedy can tear a family apart, or it can draw them together and make them stronger. In God's great mercy and love, misfortune can be transformed into a gift. Humility, freedom, and dependence on God can grow in these times. As Paul says in Romans, all things work together for good, for those who love the Lord and live according to His purposes. So here's Charlie's own perspective on that talent in his pocket.
1: Well, I want to just start and say how humbled and privileged I am to speak with you you men. This has been a really great weekend so far. Uh, I'm actually going to go out on a limb and say it's my best challenge weekend yet, and it's a credit to you men, and the, and the fullness of the Holy Spirit that's being poured out here to, over this weekend is fantastic. So God bless you men. Eight years ago, as some of you may know, my wife Chris was diagnosed with a very rare form of cancer called choriocarcinoma. The prognosis was cloudy. The cancer, which had started in, started in her placenta as she was pregnant with our first, had spread. Subsequent scans revealed that there were innumerable nodules in her lungs, and aggressive chemotherapy needed to be administered immediately and frequently. The resulting months of treatment saw, what was in my estimation, a miraculous healing. Indeed, the success of the chemotherapy regimen was almost immediately evident, and the key indicators of the cancer diminished after each treatment. I'm thinking in hindsight that after the diagnosis, things went about as well as they possibly could have for Chris. Upon the completion of chemotherapy, the doctor who diagnosed Chris said that had she come in two weeks later, the cancer would have spread to her brain and she would not have survived. I was reminded shortly after her healing of the parable of the talents. In the parable, Jesus tells of a man who is preparing on a journey and entrusts his money to his servants, albeit in different amounts to each of them. The master makes it clear that there will be a full accounting of what each servant has done with his money upon his return. After a long period of time, the master returns. Each of his servants comes to their master and tells the story of what they have done with what their master has entrusted to them. The first servant tells his master, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I've made five talents more. The master, pleased with how the servant has managed what was entrusted to him, responds, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. The second servant comes forward, and he too relays the fruit of his labor to his master. Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I've made two talents more. Again, the master responds, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. The last servant, filled with trepidation approaches his master master i knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed so i was afraid and i went and hid your talent in the ground here you have what is yours here the response of the master is quite different you wicked and slothful servant you knew that i reap where i have not sown and gather where i scattered no seed The way I saw it, a talent of our suffering had been slid across the table towards me. What would I do with it? Would I bury it in the ground and kill any fruit that could be born from it? Like the third servant, would I see God as a hard man who made unreasonable demands and wanted me to forsake my own comfort for his greater glory? After all, wasn't I entitled to rest on my laurels after such a traumatic stretch? Or like the first two servants, would I take what was entrusted to me and with great joy return it to its rightful owner with interest? (laughs) Entrust is an important word. As our very own Steve Becker put it, on the most basic level, entrust means to give responsibility for doing something to a person, but it means so much more. It means you're releasing it into their care you're entrusting them with the task and at the same time expressing the confidence that they can get it done. Having received this authority and ability, they entrust back to you that you will have their back and give them whatever they might need if roadblocks beyond their authority come their way. In the time since Chris's incredible recovery and remission, I've tried to multiply that talent. This one was mine and was entrusted to me specifically. Sometimes I would forget about it only to feel it sitting in my pocket with me at all times where it will remain until I return it and hopefully more but before the throne of judgment. I know that God wants me to use it to recognize the suffering of those people I am surrounded by in the workplace, in my family, in my community, and serve them. I've been called upon many times to multiply my talent. On some occasions, I'm ashamed to admit I've buried it for my own uh, selfish interests, not wanting to be pulled away from work, for example. Other times, I've answered the call. One of these times was two years ago when I received a voicemail from my mom during work asking that I call her back immediately. This was very unusual, so I knew something must be wrong. Upon calling my mom back, she told me that my brother, Patrick's wife, Carmen, was diagnosed with a rare type of brain tumor details about the diagnosis were murky i called chris and we both cried for us we not only saw the suffering of our dear family members but we were taken right back into the clinic room where we were told of chris's diagnosis we might have experienced the news differently than others did in that sense my brother and i shared a special connection after the diagnosis I had walked a similar path and was able to put myself in his shoes. I encouraged him and prayed with him. In the months following Carmen's diagnosis, her trajectory seemed to be going well. Patrick and Carmen had come through the Twin Cities in this time en route to the Mayo Clinic, where they were told by the doctors there that they would be able to remove the tumor completely. Carmen sobbed as she relayed the news to Chris and I. It was the first time that she was given truly encouraging news. It was on that trip that Patrick came with me to a CIC meeting at Bruce Olson's coffee shop. We were both feeling terrific about the news and we were grateful for the time together.
0: As members of Charlie's Challenge Group, we were able to stand with him through his wife's cancer and as he found out about his sister-in-law's own cancer. What would matter to him wasn't any wisdom or advice we could give. We felt pretty inadequate. What would matter is that we cared and stood with him. We could be compassionate and be present to him, to listen to him and take what he was facing seriously, to accompany him with our presence, our understanding and our prayer, to make God's love and compassion present and tangible through our lives and our care for him. You know, whatever's going on in our co-workers' lives, for good or for ill, comes along when they enter through the door. As Christians, we are being transformed to be the light of Christ to those around us. The experiences of our lives, like Charlie's life, especially the hard and challenging ones, and not just for our good, but our valuable gifts to those around us. Charlie's experience with his wife's cancer had a favorable outcome where we left the story looked very positive for Carmen, but we know tragedy happens in all our lives. Patrick's wife's Carmen's cancer would take a wicked and unexpected turn. Charlie was going to face a real challenge. that would test his character and faith in Christ. Here's Charlie again.
1: Soon after the visit, the tumor being beaten down with chemotherapy and radiation was pronounced dead. Everyone let out a sigh of relief as this ordeal would soon be over. It was a couple months later that we received an update on the status of the the situation. A small tail had grown on the supposedly dead tumor. Only two weeks later, my brother was told by Carmen's doctor privately that she was terminal and had four to six weeks to live. My mom called and gave me the news. I sobbed with Chris in our living room. At that moment... I once again felt the talent sitting in my pocket. Call Patrick, call him now. The Holy Spirit was beckoning. I was terrifically afraid. I was not cut out to manage this conversation and I was deeply afraid of walking into the darkness. I briefly wanted to bury the moment and let it pass. As Steve had said, however, part of God entrusting us with his work is that he has our back. He is prepared to give us what we need to complete the task. I prayed for whatever God thought was best to deliver to me at that moment. I asked Chris to pray. I texted my CIC small group brothers and asked them to pray. I took a deep breath and called Patrick. He was struggling with how to relay the information to Carmen about her prognosis and to their three young girls. The following 10 minutes were ones of crying and praying. Chris and I struggled with what to do next. Does it make sense to go now? Would it alarm Carmen if we showed up seemingly randomly and make things worse? I called my friend Dan, who had recently lost his brother to colon cancer. He answered on the fourth ring on vacation on a beach. He was clearly surprised to see me calling. Dan encouraged us to go and be with my brother. Chris spoke with her dad, Pat. Who also encouraged us to go immediately? What are we going to do with the kids? What am I going to do about work? There are so many things in the way. The talent weighed in my pocket. Lord, help us so we can serve Patrick and Carmen, we prayed. After an hour or so, we were resolute in getting to Milwaukee to be with them as soon as possible. The Lord helped us in arranging care for our kids in my work situation. So many people multiplied so many of their own talents in serving us. We arrived three days later, anxious but convicted of God's presence and love for us. The next day, Carmen's doctor had scheduled an impromptu appointment. They're just going to draw our blood to do some testing, Patrick said. Again, I felt the talent in my pocket. Do you mind if I come with you? I said. Unsure of exactly why I should go to a blood draw appointment, but I was inclined to be there nevertheless. We arrived at the hospital and went in to see Carmen's doctor. I realized quickly why the Lord had led me to that appointment. The doctor told Carmen, with Patrick and I in the room, what he had told Patrick the previous week, that she was going to die and it was going to be soon. The doctor asked Patrick and I to speak with him privately. Afterwards, Patrick tearfully asked me if I would sit with Carmen while he called our dad. I walked into the quiet room just Carmen and I. Lord, what do I do? I was desperate and afraid. I have never felt so unworthy of a moment in my life. Why didn't you put someone here who knew what to do in this situation, God? Why didn't you put someone here who's worthy of this? Why me? God was telling me then, it's because of my terrific love for you. I sat down next to Carmen My friend who had always been so vivacious and fun, sitting in a wheelchair unable to walk and now barely able to speak. Let's pray, I said to her. What should we pray for? Ask God to heal me, she said. I placed my hand on the spot where her tumor was and prayed for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit like I never had before, praying for her total healing. Thank you, Jesus, she offered throughout. After the prayer, she looked at me and said, Patrick's going to need you. Make sure he's always with the girls. I think it was the Lord preparing her for what was to come, and there was peace. Carmen died three weeks later. I was again humbled and privileged to deliver one of the eulogies at her funeral. Another task where I was initially anxious, but less so than I would have otherwise been. My trust that God would help me do his good work was being increased every day. God saw fit to entrust us with his most precious work, the building of his kingdom here and now. He has entrusted all of us with unique gifts, life experience, and skills to bear fruit throughout his creation. He will never back away from walking alongside of us through the situations he has entrusted to us and will continue to pour out his Holy Spirit so we can confidently and boldly do his work and return he expects us to do our very best in bearing fruit with what he has entrusted us with. This work would be so much more difficult without the support of the community of believers. For me, this has been my family and my CIC small group. The men of our small group have walked with one another through the most very mundane to the most cataclysmic events of life. We are Christ to one another. Our group is what I have called a microcosm of the kingdom, one built on peace understanding brotherhood accountability and love one built on jesus and the holy spirit our group encourages me to go out and build what we have in our small group in my workplace and community if your small group doesn't look like this it needs to what is god entrusting to you how does he want you to serve him and build his kingdom who in your life needs to know the love of christ What talents sit in your pocket? It will surely be a glorious day when we stand humbly at the throne of judgment and God tells us, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share in your master's happiness. Bring your Christian coworkers together using our free resources. Go to workingforourfather.com and download a free copy of The Three Keys to Transformative Small Groups. You'll find it on our challenge group page. Our newsletter and Workday Reflections will help launch meaningful conversations about lives of faith, integrity, and excellence. Thanks for listening to this podcast. You'll want to check out our website at workingforourfather.com. It's constantly being updated with new content to support you and others in living your faith at work.